We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the edition of Dynasty Cast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the Blue Wire Network. We are another week into the offseason, another week closer to training camp. We had some uh, non-mandatory OTAs. Mandatory OTAs are next month. Training camp is in July, August. We're creeping closer to the NFL season. I am creeping closer, not physically, but electronically, to the one and only Dan Sanjo. How's it going, Dan? It's good. I actually wish you would have moved closer to your camera as you were saying that. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's going well. We're we're kind of in that in that dead spot in the off season. You know, the excitement of the rookie stuff is mostly fizzling away. Now we're waiting for you know coach speak and camp headlines to to pop. Obviously, we we've got uh, a little bit of a quarterback controversy. Uh, not you know, one guy pushing one for a starting spot, but one owner or part owner pushing one off of a team. So that, that'll be uh, an enjoyable conversation when we get there. But uh, yeah, just trying to find things to talk about to keep people entertained. And Dan, you know what that means? I almost did it today, but I didn't do it today. You know, that means that like next week is the tight end show. <laughs> It is about that time, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) That means that next week we'll have to do the tight end show, um, probably, unless we come up with something better between now and then, uh, where we'll break down every single tight end you could possibly think of and talk about Luke Schoenmacher. Uh, Might even talk about him today. All right. Hopefully not. Let's go to – we got kind of two news notes-ish things. Uh, Obviously, the first one is very news notes-ish, is uh, DeAndre Hopkins. He has been dropped by the Arizona Cardinals. They could not find a trade suitor to pay his like $20 million salary. One note from a Cardinals future perspective, they did not designate him a post-June 1st cut. So they're eating all of the salary in the 2023 season slash offseason. So he'll be off their books for 2024, which makes sense for a team that doesn't plan on winning games in 2023. So we'll start off with Hopkins. 
Um, the two most popular landing spots seem to be the teams that were potentially looking at him in the trade, but the money couldn't work out. Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs. Um, obviously, both these teams have one singular like primary target in the form of Stephon Diggs in Buffalo and uh, Travis Kelsey in Kansas City, and then a bunch of ancillary pieces outside of those pieces. Start off with Hopkins. Who do you, who do you, who would you rather see Hopkins go to, Kansas City or Buffalo? I mean, I would rather have Kansas City. I mean, Kelsey plays a different position and is going to work in a different area of the field. Uh, not to say that he can't work everywhere because that's what Travis Kelsey does, and that's why he is the greatest tight end of of all time. Um, I I think Hopkins there, essentially, regardless of of him potentially being athletically washed. Uh, or only maybe only being able to play 13 games, I think he can make a bid for for wide receiver one in Kansas City. I, I you know Mahomes can put the ball wherever and Hopkins catches everything. Those two together is scary. Not not scary like Tyreek Hill being able to run 70 yards down the field and Mahomes being able to hit him in stride because Hopkins can't do that anymore. However, he's going to get you 15 every play like clockwork because he'll just get open. Or Mahomes will put it where he can catch it, and only he can catch it, and he will catch it every time because that's what Hopkins does. My concern, and I personally I think that Buffalo is a little bit better of a landing spot um, because I think that there's a degree of Kansas City being pot committed to their young guys with Rishi Rice and Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony. Like they've invested so many assets into these guys that I don't see them signing DeAndre Hopkins and be like, okay, you're going to get eight to ten targets a game. Um, I think that in Buffalo, Hopkins is very much, very clearly the second target. Gabriel Davis becomes a solely a deep threat, and Dalton Kincaid probably has a little bit slower development from a target perspective. Um, but with Kansas City, there's there's no standout wide receiver, but there's a bunch of wide receivers that they've invested in. They're probably gonna want to see more of. Now, does Mahomes say, "I don't care what you invested in Sky Moore. I'm not throwing to him"? Potentially. Um, but I think in terms of Hopkins' outlook, I think he's more likely to get higher target share in Buffalo than he is Kansas City. I'd be more worried about Dalton Kincaid in Buffalo than I would be Kadarius Tony, Rishi Rice, and Sky Moore in Kansas City. Just it, it, visually, it, it you know Buffalo is all in on Dalton Kincaid. They made that very clear. Kansas City keeps pushing this rhetoric of uh, Kadarius Tony can be our one. He can do it to try to keep them positive. And then when DeAndre Hopkins eventually goes there, well, when you have a chance to get DeAndre Hopkins, you have to do it. And that will hopefully cause Kadarius Tony to not do what pushed him out of New York, or so it sounds like. Um, it, they, they don't want him to become a problem because he can do things some kind of, right? Yeah, you keep them. You keep them in the return game, even though they're trying to eliminate that altogether. And you you create a portion of the playbook that is just for Kadarius Tony. You get him in space. You're you know you run bubble screens and all that crap. But getting him in space with the ball and not requiring him to run an actual route makes him scary. And you can do that with him when you have Travis Kelsey and DeAndre Hopkins. You can't do that when Kadarius Tony is supposed to be your wide receiver one. Because he can't run routes. That's not what he does. He he just gets the ball and goes. So figuring out a way for, for him to not have to be the primary concern of the defense, I, I think would be more beneficial for for not only the team, but for Hopkins' sake. And like I said, I, I'm more worried about Kincaid being a, a stat blocker for 
for Hopkins. Even as, even as a rookie, though? Yes. I think I think they plan to fully, fully throw him to the fire. Uh, it's going to be Diggs 1, Kincaid 2. I still think Gabriel Davis plays a, a decent role, but I could see Kincaid and Davis having almost identical target numbers. Yeah, and I well, obviously if they were if those were to target and and get Hopkins, I think that 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 kills Gabriel Davis for the I, like, I, I agree. I, I I mean he's not much more than a best ball asset now. With Hopkins in the building, it would be purely like you're waiting for that three catch for 92 and two touchdown type game from Gabriel, which he'll have like three of those, but that might be all he has all season. Well, and and I'll say this, it, obviously getting Hopkins is going to change Gabriel Davis's role. I, I think that essentially locks him into that deep threat down the field guy only, whereas if they don't have Hopkins and it's Diggs, Kincaid, and then Davis, I think Davis then has a chance to maybe go back up and meet that some of that potential that that we've seen that we've hoped for um you know become a little bit more than just that deep threat than just that best ball asset we could see that type of year that we saw from Mike Williams where well, this guy can only do one thing and then boom all of a sudden he's running actual routes catching passes all over the field and the offense looks insane uh i i think buffalo i don't want to say they'd be better off but not having to commit all of that money, depending on what Hopkins is looking for. I don't know what he's looking for. I, hope, I would imagine like that minimum with a ton of incentives. If, if, if Hopkins is looking for a chunk of money, he ends up going to Detroit and not Buffalo or Kansas City. Or New England. Uh, but again, the New England's probably on the bottom of your totem pole, even though uh, I, I think if, if, Bill, <laughs> if Bill Belichick coached anywhere, uh, other than New England right now that had a team that had a chance to win anything, Hopkins would be there. Uh, otherwise, I think you are genuinely looking at Super Bowl favorites for landing spots. Um, and, you know, and that pretty much ends up being Buffalo and Kansas City because Philly wouldn't go get them. San Francisco doesn't really need them, nor do they have the money to do so. Uh, and, since, and he since he doesn't have the money unless they cut Nixon. Well, and what are you going to do there? You have T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd. I mean, what are you going to do with four wide receivers? Uh, well, and don't forget, let's not forget Herb Smith. That can be part of our tight end show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think the the options really are limited, probably to him wanting to play with two of the three or four best quarterbacks in the NFL right now, and you know those two teams obviously in need of a wide receiver. All right, let's move on to the fallout from. Hopkins exiting. Uh, I, I did think that we talked about last week. We talked about the potential of Hopkins getting dropped. And I was like, you know, I don't really uh, predict or I don't uh, make decisions based off of future transactions, but I do assume that, that Hopkins is not a Cardinal. Um, so the, the Brown evaluation hasn't changed between last week and now, because I had assumed Hopkins was gone. Um, now that Hopkins is officially gone though, I think it does give a slight boost to Michael Wilson. Um, Rondo Moore hasn't really proven that he can be a consistent NFL wide receiver. I don't know if it's a size thing. I don't know if it's a like playing the NFL wide receiver position thing, but I I love Rondo Moore. I think he's very talented. I just don't know what he is from an NFL perspective. So then you look at Michael Wilson, their third round pick, as is he potentially the wide receiver two behind Hollywood Brown? That might be a possibility. Um, so, I mean, I, I've been looking at snagging him in the fourth or fifth round of rookie drafts now uh, for, for later rookie drafts or, or rookie auctions. I think Wilson's becomes a little bit more of an intriguing uh, option now that Hopkins is officially gone. Um, 
this is more of a Kyler Murray thing with him potentially being out for the season or out for most of the season. What are your thoughts on the the 2023 Arizona Cardinals quarterback? Do you think they roll out Colt McCoy? Do you think they go with Clayton Toon, who was their day three quarterback? Um, if if Clayton Toon is, let's say he starts 15 games for the Cardinals this year, that pays off a, a fourth-round rookie pick. Like you, you don't even need him to be good. Just the fact that he he's an NFL body at an NFL starting quarterback, he's worth a fourth-round pick. He might be, even be worth a third-round pick. Um, but – is Clayton Toon going to end up being the starter? And if he is, what is, what is his dynasty value looking like? Is it purely just a, a, a placeholder for the 2024 starter, whether it be Kyler or a rookie quarterback? Yeah, well, I think what will end up happening is McCoy will, will start early, get hurt, and then Toon will have to play. Uh, and all of this is and just entirely depends on when Kyler will be back, um, and if at all. Who, who knows what the deal is there? I think Toon's short-term value is higher than his long-term value because of his clear path to playing time. Uh, there's no chance he's beating a, a healthy Kyler Murray. There's no chance he's beating out a 2024 potential draft pick. Uh, whatever option Arizona decides to go, he is a clear-cut backup, but he could have some short-term value, and that could be could open up a really nice uh, sell window for for anyone that does happen to roster him. I don't think that there's much there. Uh, I do just think that is one of those journeyman quarterback bodies that the NFL likes to to drag along. Um, but that's not to say that there isn't some short-term value. I do I do see a little bit of short-term value there uh, just, just because of the potential for playing time. Um, going back to the wide receiver portion, uh, you know, Rondell Moore averaged seven targets a game last year in eight games that he played. I do think that that matters. Uh, I, I think we see an offense that will obviously feature Hollywood Brown, but I do think we see a lot more Rondell Moore, assuming he can stay healthy. Uh, who, But, I mean, you, you kind of have to put him inside because of his size and because he does just kind of get bullied. And, and, you know, when you're smaller, higher risk of injury in most cases. But that's not to say he was bad or or that he, you know, he hasn't been at least serviceable in the NFL thus far. This, this Cardinals offense has been awful uh, up to this point and I, I think we can blame a lot of that on cliff kingsbury this should look different I, I would imagine that we'll see some cleaner looks i would i would prefer to have rondale from kyler but i'll take rondale in any capacity we can get him uh, especially if it's going to be those short underneath you know across the middle type routes from these mediocre to bad quarterbacks that the arizona cardinals are gonna have to play until kyler is back uh, he has a chance to be fantasy relevant. I'm not saying that he's going to be like a wide receiver two, uh, but he could sneak into that wide receiver three, you know, high end four conversation very, very quickly by continuing what he was doing in 2022 by being targeted. So are you, are you not buying in on year one production from uh, Michael Wilson? I think it depends, right? I think, I think if Kyler is back early, we could see three wide receivers, you know, potentially see enough volume to make it worth a having and b even considering putting in the lineup. If it's McCoy or if it's Tune for more than half of the season, I think Hollywood Brown is probably the only one that that has real value, and maybe, then it's all in the running back. McBride as well. Yeah, Trey McBride. If if he if he makes the leap, uh, you know, last year obviously was kind of a, a write off year, but. Um, 
if he can make that leap, he could potentially be in there too, just because of where that tight end lives and how, how tight end has become kind of that safety blanket in the NFL for a lot of these quarterbacks. You know, you, you get the ones that don't really push the ball downfield all that well or or maybe are, are taking the safe bet. And guys like McBride, guys like Moore have, have a little bit more value just because of who's playing quarterback. So I... I want Wilson to be there. I think I think Wilson, Brown, and Moore could be a nice three. Um, I, I'm I'm more concerned about when Kyler comes back than anything. And one one note on Wilson, who I, I do like, you know, decent draft capital, third third round pick, ninety fifth fourth overall out of Stanford. Um, he is the, the perfect candidate for me. Where when you see this news of Deion Hopkins being uh, cut, yes, you're, you're drafting him fourth, fifth round of rookie drafts. But more importantly, on and in, in, in leagues that have already drafted leagues, you already have him. This is where I'm going, Michael Wilson in the third for a second, and just sending that to everybody. And you know, eleven out of twelve owners might laugh in your face, but there's gonna be one that's like, hey, like moving down from the second to third, that doesn't really matter, and this guy is a decent fire, which is the chance that, that ends up theoretically coming back to bite you. But if you just make those types of moves, more often than not, it's going to end up benefiting you where you're getting a higher-end asset in future years. Plus, we talk about, you know, as we get through May, June, July, roster spots, roster spots, roster spots. Like, you're not just trading Michael Wilson in a third for a second. You're trading Michael Wilson in a third for a second in a roster spot. Um, Because there's no guarantee that Michael Wilson will live up to that roster spot at this point, especially as a third option on a potential Colt McCoy offense. Um, let's move on to our next portion, next piece of news. The only other piece of news really in the NFL this past week. Um, it came out that the Jimmy G contract is fake. Um, <laughs> they can basically cut him at any time saying that he's injured and we don't want him anymore. Um, this also comes around the same time that it came out that Tom Brady has bought a portion of the Raiders. Um, well, let's start off with, with the more fun aspect of this. Um, Tom Brady uh, has bought a portion of the Raiders and actually he's not technically allowed to play yet. Um, like he would have to get approved from 24 out of 32 owners, but here's the fun question. Now that he has bought a portion of the Raiders, are you more likely to hold him on your dynasty team or less likely to hold it, hold onto him on your dynasty team? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. I, I, I... Man, I think if if anybody is is seeing any value in still having Tom Brady, and I have them, and I have I have Brady on my team, I'm probably trying. I would trade him for quite literally anything. Um, I don't think there's a chance he's coming back. I think his his end goal here is to just own that team altogether. Uh, which getting it out of Mark Davis's cold dead hands is probably going to be the only way. Uh, because you know that Al would be well, he, turning he, in his grave. <laughs> well, he is business partners with Mark Davis, so he's, he's not going to buy the whole Raiders. I mean, I'm, I'm honestly, I would, I'd be surprised if Tom Brady has enough money to buy the Raiders. Oh, um, he's got a lot of money. <laughs> he's got a lot he of have, money. Does he have like five billion dollars worth of money? Billions no. for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, definitely a business partnership. I, part of me, for, for my opinion, I think him, him, him buying a portion of the Raiders means he's more likely to play in 2023 than had he not bought the Raiders. And the fact that the fact that this Jimmy G contract situation comes up at like the same time this happening makes it even crazier because the whole Jimmy G, Tom Brady past relationship. Um, and the other part of it is I'm pretty sure, and I, I have to look it up as I'm saying this out loud, I'm pretty sure Aiden O'Connell is the only other quarterback on the roster. So uh, 
if if they do, you know, worm their way out of the Jimmy G contract, are they just going to start Aiden O'Connell? Like, what are they going to do? Well, I, I think that they have a theoretical plan in place. Uh, you know, obviously putting this language in this contract means that Jimmy was just a placeholder the kind of the whole time. And then if it got down to it and they absolutely had to start him, he I mean, he's not going to lose them games. You know, he, he may not go out and win them, but he's not just going to piss them away like whatever Aiden O'Connell is. Um, I, I think I think one of these and, and later on in the show, we're looking at some quarterback battles. I, I do think that they they, uh, they, did, they did sign Brian Hoyer. That's the NFL quarterback they have. And I mean, that's not much better. But again, there's your there's your McDaniel's link. I. I think that they they plan to make a move on one of the camp battle, you know, whether it's a for a, a starting job or, or a second or third string job. I think they plan on moving on someone uh, that is under the age of you know forty, and, and uh, can ha, has upside because what they currently have it, there's zero upside. Uh, Devonte Adams is pissed. He wants out. Who knows what's going to happen with Josh Jacobs? They already got rid of Darren Waller. Um, that's that's going to be a hellhole for a little while. So, and obviously we're not like doctors or even general managers, but do we think that that Jimmy G sees week one with this contract, or do you think that it uh, it is going to be the end of the Jimmy G era in Las Vegas when he fails his physical in June, July? I would say there's a better chance he plays zero games than there is that he plays eight games. Sure. I mean, it only matters if he passes. Like, if he if he passes the physical, he's going to be playing sixteen games. Uh, but, you know, but 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 remember that it's a, it's the team doctors, so they basically already know whether or not he's going to pass that physical. <laughs> no, I know. I'm I'm saying the doctors can easily fail fail him on the physical. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm guessing that's the plan. Unless one of these other quarterbacks doesn't pan out, they can't make a move to get them. I would guess that the plan right now, as we stand today, is for these doctors, whether he's healthy or not, to fail Garoppolo's physical. All right, we'll get into some more quarterback talk in a little bit. Um, but let's before we get to our ad, let's talk about the secondary weapons on the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Michael Gallup, year two away from major knee injury. Jalen Tolbert, year two after being a day two NFL draft pick. Brandon Cooks, year 18 of being a productive NFL wide receiver. <laughs> and uh, Luke Scudmacher, who is the oldest rookie tight end to ever live. Um, Brandon Cooks is probably the favorite of this bunch to be the most productive 2023 player. But do you have a favorite dynasty asset from these four? Are any of these guys droppable? What What are your thoughts on, on this, this quadruplet of assets? I mean, I, I'm still a Gallup fan. Obviously, last year didn't look good, but you know, coming coming back that quickly after a major knee. Um, hi- historically speaking, it's never the best, and it only gets better. We we're now going into yeah about year two removed from from the knee. Uh, I think we can see a return to you know maybe what close to what he was. I don't know about the production per se. I will say Dak can support three wide receivers if you need him to. So I think it probably depends on the plan for Schoonmaker and how many targets they plan on giving to Tony Pollard, uh, which, you know, if they keep feeding him the way that they've fed him, he's going to die halfway through the season. But I, I think 
I think if we can even sniff 2019 or 2020 Gallup, um, you know, I mean, Gallup in 14 games in 2019 had 66 catches for 1,100 yards. And, you know, that that's a lot. I, I don't think we're getting back to that. But in 2020, he went, you know, he, 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 had, he had a lot of targets. He had 105 targets in 2020 in, in you know, 16 games. Um, but, you know, 850 and 5, I think, is a very, very respectable line for someone like Michael Gallup. Uh, assuming health, if he can get back to to what he was, I think that's probably your your line right there. Not necessarily your ceiling, but I think we could anticipate seeing those type of numbers. I do think Brandon Cooks keeps doing what he's been doing. Uh, you know, he and and you know your Mike Evans from from those you know the guys that just continue to put up thousand year thousand yard years. You know, just every single year since since Vietnam. Um, Cooks Cooks is definitely the favorite here to score. For me, he's still a short-term asset. I, I you know, I, I want to, I want to have more value on him long-term, but he's starting to officially get up there in age. And, uh, you know, and, and Gallup isn't a, a, I would say, a spring chicken anymore. He just turned 27, so he's he's entering what should be his prime, and hopefully we we see health. Uh, Jalen Tolbert to me is just kind of a stash because if either one of these guys who often go down goes down. Uh, Tolbert should see immediate action. And again, I, I think it does entirely depend on what their plan is for Schoonmaker. Yeah, I mean, in terms of Tol- Tolbert and Schoonmaker, I think it entirely depends on your roster size. I have a couple of 24 roster size leagues that I'm having trouble holding on to Tolbert and Schoonmaker. Obviously, Gallup and, and Cooks are still worth roster spots. Um, Cooks more so. Uh, Gallup, I, basically the way I see it is that Cooks is the wide receiver too. And Gallup has the upside to be the wide receiver two, and Tolbert's going to be lucky to be the wide receiver three <laughs> somehow. Um, but yeah, so that's my outlook on on those. And so my point in bringing these these guys up is that Tolbert is is cuttable. Schoonmaker is is a, is a deep deep guy unless it's tight end premium. Um, and then yeah, Cooks is still a decent buy. Like you can get him for a late second round pick, and you you need a wide receiver. That's definitely something to look at. And then Gallup shouldn't really cost you anything. So, you know, put together a couple of end of roster pieces to, to a guy that can afford the roster spots. That might be the type of move that you can make with Michael Gallup. Let's move on to our next portion of the show. But before we do, let's talk about Roto Viz. Now is the time we're in the summertime and you know, you want to be on the beach. You know, you want to be looking at the Roto Viz tools. Like the best combination is the beach plus the road of his SimScore app. Like that's that everyone says it. No one's ever disagreed with that statement. Um, so you need to get a road of his pass with promo code RV radio 2023. So you can get your road of his on the beach, on a train, on a plane for your summer vacation, for your dynasty teams, your redraft teams, your basketball teams. It's all going on and you need it today with promo code RV radio 2023. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I thought you were for sure hitting me with the Nicki Minaj. Let's go to the beach, beach. <laughs> All right. Before, while I sneeze, why don't you introduce our next topic? All right. So we'll move into, uh, I kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier. Uh, we're going to look at kind of the overall depth of quarterback in the NFL, specifically the backup quarterbacks, um, and, and kind of some strategy in, in how we're rostering quarterbacks, not only starters, but guys that have a line to some fantasy points, a line to starting based off an injury, based off of a camp battle, anything that can you can draw a line from fantasy points to a quarterback, that needs to be in, in your process as far as what you're rostering in a super flex league. So pushing pushing starters to the side, Nathan. What do we? What, what's what's your kind of your main thing you're looking at when you're grabbing one of those, you know, higher potential type quarterbacks that maybe aren't going to have a lot of short term value, but it that could you know instantly just become a, a huge opportunity for you know say one of the guys in San Francisco or whoever. Las Vegas decides to bring in in, in the, with the Jimmy Garoppolo situation. So what are you looking for in your backup quarterbacks? Well, I put my backup NFL quarterbacks in three different buckets in Superflex Dynasty. I have them in a competing bucket. So uh, someone who is competing for a starting job with like a young quarterback competing with a veteran, a, a veteran's competing with a younger quarterback that has struggled. Like that's one bucket competing. And that's a bucket that pretty much, if there's any quarterbacks that's competing for a starting job in Superflex, outside of your shallowest format, like a, a 20 roster spot league, any sort of dynasty Superflex league, if you're if you're in the competing bucket, you have to be, ro- be rostered. Um, they're worth a roster spot. Clayton Toon, I would put in the in the competing bucket for 2023 because he's competing with Colton Colt McCoy for a starting job. Then you have defined backup. Defined backup is they have a clear starter and the only chance they're going to play is with an injury. Uh, examples of that would be guys like Dorian Thompson Robinson. Uh, <clears throat> I'm trying to think of other, you know, defined backups off the top of my head. Um, whoever the backup is in Kansas City. Um, I, I, I should have written things. Hendon, Hendon Hooker in Detroit. Is yeah, Zach yeah. Wilson in New York. Uh, well, Bailey actually, no, Zappi well, in hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. You're messing up my buckets. Sorry, buckets. Buckets. Okay, defined backups, basically guys that have no shot at com- at competing or winning a job anytime soon. Um, future, the future bucket is guys that could potentially have the starting job at a future date. Guys that, that I would I would have in that bucket would be a Hendon Hooker, 
would be a Zach Wilson because he still has that high draft capital. Um, guys that aren't going to be starting this year, but I think could start in future years. Um, so I think that in terms of your roster depth, I think that you you can't really have more than one of those defined backups. The future guys, it depends on like, are you competing? If you're not competing, I would I would funnel as many of those future p- potential guys as possible. Your Hendon Hookers, your Zach Wilsons, your your Dorian Thompson Robinsons, like those guys. I want to have as many of those guys as possible because a they don't help you score points, which is good for getting a higher draft pick. Um, but if you're competing, you can't really funnel a lot of those guys into your onto your roster. So maybe you might have one to two of those guys. And then competing, it's just honestly, I would just take as many as possible that you can have. Um, those are my thoughts on those. What are your What are your thoughts on your approach to how you're rostering those three buckets, or do you have a different set of buckets? <laughs> no, I, I I like your set of buckets. I think uh, I think kind of breaking them down that way is is wise. Uh, it's also going to lead to to probably being able to either find points now or fully, you know, if you're punting, you're punting. You can go and, and look at grabbing some of the defined backup type guys, grabbing some of the competing guys, uh, or, you know, the, the you don't really need the competing guys, I should say, the, the future guys. So anything that you see potential in, anything that maybe has a lower floor, but the ceiling, you know, could could be anything. Um, that's what you're trying to build on. What I, what I also like to do is, is I like to, and and this one's kind of, you know, vanilla as far as fantasy football goes, but I'll look towards teams, whether they have a, a, a pronounced starter or not that have historically strong offenses and not because of the quarterback. So Kansas city, yes, is a historically strong offense. It's an Andy Reid offense. It's always going to be good no matter who's back there. But if it wasn't the Andy Reid offense, I probably wouldn't be targeting it because if Mahomes goes down, they have Kelsey and that's it. You know, it, it, and obviously that's a hypothetical because it is an Andy Reid offense and nothing would change there. So looking at at spots where it's more the quarterback than the team, uh, you know, a, a really, you know, and I would argue an elite type spot are going to be places like Philadelphia, where you have the weapons, you have an incredible offense, and they're probably going to continue to score points with or without Jalen Hurts. Not taking anything away from Jalen Hurts. That's why this team is as amazing as it is, because if you take him away, they're still very good. But with him on it, they are elite. You look at Cincinnati with the depth at wide receiver, a little bit of tight end. Uh, They've got a few running backs, but it's a very good offense. You take Burrow out, obviously it's not the same offense, but it's still very good. So Looking in those high-end offense spots uh, where we know that there's going to be production no matter who's there, and then you know obviously being able to tell the difference between how they're elite with their elite quarterback and how that they would just be productive with Joe Schmo, Chad Henney uh, in Kansas City, or or whoever is in Cincinnati behind Joe Burrow. You know the these run-of-the-mill guys, these these Jags, if you will, that can come in and. Anybody can hit Jamar Chase. Anybody could hit T. Higgins in that Cincinnati offense. Anybody could hit A.J. Brown or Devonta Smith in Philly. So I'm really, really targeting places like that. Obviously, we don't see as many injuries with those big-time guys, A, because they have the awareness to avoid taking a lot of shots, uh, but but B, just because 
those those offenses are great and not only because of them. Yeah, I think the biggest point with with managing NFL backup QBs and Superflex is just managing your expectations and understanding that like a guy like James Winston, nine out of nine out of ten times is going to be a roster clogger. He's not gonna score you any points, he's not gonna have any promise of scoring any points, but he's on your roster for the promise that when Derek Carr has an elbow injury, James is going to come in for three or four games and be a serviceable, serviceable player. So that's why you're going to use guys that had higher end draft capital who ended up being NFL career backups or guys that have shown promise like a like a Bailey Zappi or something like that. Like look for those type of guys that have shown something and have potential opportunity to come in based off of injury or poor play. Um, now let's go to our early QB camp battles. Um, and we'll just give our takes of what they look like right now and what they will look like in July. First one, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Baker Mayfield versus Kyle Trask. I know you aren't the biggest Kyle Trask believer. I know you aren't the biggest Baker Mayfield believer either. So where, where are you at on Baker versus Trask in 2023? I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm actually kind of turning the corner on on coming back to Baker. I, I, was, I was pretty big on Baker coming out. Uh, obviously, the the size limitations and, and, you know, being the walk on the whole bit, but we saw production early. Uh, we saw, you know, a, a little bit of winning, obviously 2020 Baker was, was fairly special if you will. And everything has kind of been downhill since, uh, not being able to stay healthy, being well playing while injured and just looking bad did not help his case in any way. If he's healthy, though, I think Baker can very much be fantasy relevant. I think he can keep Mike Evans and Chris Godwin fantasy relevant, whereas Kyle Trask, I think, is not capable of being an NFL starter. I, I, I think it wouldn't hurt to at least see him in action, uh, but that's what we have the preseason for. I just I don't see a world where if Baker Mayfield is healthy, Trask is getting on the field with him there. I, I, I do think that he gives Tampa the best chance to win if they are trying to win. And I think he gives them the best chance to produce for all of their wide receivers, all of their weapons, whether it's it's Lenny, if he's still around, Rashad White, um, the, the whole the whole team, let, I think. Let, let, Lenny is not around, Dan. <laughs> okay. I didn't know if he was back or not. Um, yeah. The, I mean, the team will be better off with Baker. Baker has, Sean, has Sean the history. Tuck, Sean Tucker season. Sean Tucker season. I don't know who that is, but yeah. You don't know who Sean Tucker is? I'm kidding. Okay. Sean Tucker. <laughs> um, my, my thoughts on the Buccaneers quarterback battle. Baker in the last three or four years, there's been bad Baker and there's been good Baker. The good thing for the Bucks is that when bad Baker comes out, they're just going to give Trask a shot. Um, I think Baker's going to be the week one quarterback. And if we see good Baker and with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, Baker might hold on to that job and lead them to seven wins, which is terrible for the Bucks long term. Um, but <laughs> if bad Baker comes out, I think the leash will be pretty short for Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask could be starting as early as week three or four. Um, but I think that in terms of early on, Baker's going to get the shot because they see him as having the higher short term and long term upside. But I think that if it's if, if it was if it were the inverse, I think that if if Kyle Trask wins the job in week one, I don't think we see Baker at all. I think they're going to give Kyle Trask, you know, 16, 17 games to be like, all right, show us what you have. And if you're really that bad, we're going to draft Caleb Williams. Um, yeah. 
I, so well, that, I think if I think if Trask wins the camp battle, I don't. I, there's a chance we don't ever see Baker again. That that would be that would be career ending. <laughs> yeah. So that's my thoughts there. Baker early on, potentially if Bad Baker shows up, we get um, Kyle Trask later on in the season. Um, next, we have Washington. Sam Howell versus Jacoby Brissett. Uh, this is the battle of do you like fun or do you hate winning? Um, I'm a big Sam Howell guy. I'm a big don't waste your time with mediocre quarterbacks guy. Jacoby Brissett is fine, but that's all he'll ever be. He'll never be more than fine. Never going to be a long-term starter. So I think Washington should spend every single snap with with Sam Howell, barring injury, in 2023. I somehow doubt that's going to be the case, though, Dan. Yeah, I think Washington is. It thinks that Brissett is going to help them win, when in reality it'll probably just be that he won't give the game away. Where Howell, obviously being young and, and a little bit less, a lot less experience than Jacoby, but you know coming out, coming out of college didn't really get that opportunity to to be your starter. So now we've got he's got one game under his belt, and I I just. I, I struggle to believe that Washington is going to let Howell start, even though he should, because they believe Brissett gives them a better chance to win, even though he probably just decreases the chance of, of him throwing the game away, essentially. He's a better game game manager at this stage. All of the upside lives of Sam Howell. So I want Sam Howell. We want Sam Howell. You want Sam Howell. But I fear we're getting Brissett. Yeah, we'll see. Um, you know, I think that both obviously are, are definitely wor- very much worth roster spots in Superflex as oh, of yeah. now. Um, and Howell is the higher upside. Brissett's probably the, the higher floor play in both, you know, Superflex as well as the NFL. Um, but I put my chips on the Sam Howell uh, spot here. Uh, next, we have Ryan Tannehill versus Will Levis. Um, I do think as – potentially evidenced by the shopping of Derrick Henry and the cutting of Taylor Lewan that uh, Mike Vrabel is going to understand that this team is really bad. Um, and when he understands that, there's going to be 0.0 reason to start Ryan Tannehill. So Ryan Tannehill might start week one, but if you were to give me like an over-under, like Tannehill, like six and a half games, I would go the under. They have to put in well Levis. They, they put in Malik Willis probably a little bit too late last year, but they did still see that he was terrible enough to you know spend an early second on Will Levis. I think we're going to see a lot more of Will Levis than we did of Malik Willis in 2022 because the Titans are worse in 2023 than they were in 2022. And Malik and Will Levis is theoretically better than than Malik Willis. Well, and he's better than Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill has not been good. Um, I mean Tennessee technically has an out on Tannehill before the season starts. Sure, they're going to have some dead money, but going going from the sixty to fifty to sixty million dead cap uh, of years prior down to eighteen, I think you just cut bait and you play for future. Will Levis can be your your quarterback of the future. He, he needs to take a, a a pretty sizable leap from his his college tape to to making it in the NFL, but he has the traits. He got drafted high enough. Malik Willis obviously wasn't the guy, which I'm still sad about. But we know what Ryan Tannehill is, and we know what he isn't, and he isn't an NFL starting quarterback anymore. We had those couple of glory years. 
it's time to probably just cut the bait. Maybe the Raiders are waiting for Ryan Tannehill, <laughs> which would be not an upgrade over Jimmy G. Um, yeah, I, I think we. I think I'm definitely on the under for for Ryan Tannehill. I, I think we'll see Will Levis early and often, uh, and it should be his job. I, I mean, I would guess by week like five at four or five at the latest. Next, let's go to San Francisco, which may or may not be a quarterback battle. All indications, whether incorrect or correct, seem to be that a healthy Brock Purdy is the Niners starter undisputedly. Um, and then a non-healthy Brock Purdy, the battles between Trey Lance and Sam Darnold. At this point, I think that if the battle was between Trey Lance and Sam Darnold, the Niners just need to trade Trey Lance. Because if Trey Lance is not good enough to make you say, I definitely want Trey Lance over Sam Darnold, like if that's a, a, a coin flip, if that's a question mark, just make the move. Um, and they may still do that with Las Vegas Raiders who might have a quarterback opening. The Atlanta Falcons might still, but probably not. Um, you know, anyone who has a potential camp injury, you know, might be interested in Trey Lance. We'll see. Um, I, I still, you know, I know they drafted Hooker, but I would love to see Trey Lance in Detroit. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that in terms of their fantasy values, Trey Lance obviously has the highest ceiling of, of these three. Um, Brock Purdy has the highest short and long-term floor. And then Sam Darnold probably has the highest short-term floor. Cause I think that, you know, if there is no Brock, I think he is the favorite to be the week one starter. Uh, I think the, the one thing that needs to be made clear if it wasn't already is that this you know, quote unquote battle, uh, unless we're talking about quarterback two and quarterback three, if this quarterback battle is 100% based on an injury, if there is no injury, if Purdy is healthy, it is Brock Purdy and whoever they decide to keep as the backup. Now, I think in San Francisco's best interest, Purdy is out until, let's say, week six or week five, whatever. You get a month or a month and a half of Trey Lance, and you hope that in that month or month and a half, Trey Lance looks at least like he's figured out how to play football. Because he hasn't in like five years. If Trey Lance can get on the field for the San Francisco 49ers, who, as far as the roster goes, are, I would argue, second to none. Maybe the Eagles, just because of what they were able to add this offseason defensively. But as far as an overall roster, the Niners are as good as it gets. So any quarterback should be able to go in there and thrive. What they need is for Purdy to be out because because of the surgery for just a few weeks. You get Lance in there. He shows out. He plays great. You get a team like the Raiders to come in, throw the bank at you, and you recoup some of the horrendous amount of draft capital you spent to get Trey Lance, knowing that you screwed up. Even if he looks okay, you screwed up because he's not what you thought he was. So if they can recoup a little bit, you still have Purdy, you, you retain Darnold as your backup. That is the best case scenario for San Francisco. Worst case scenario is Purdy is out for an extended period. Lance looks elite, or not elite, but great. And, you know, Darnold starts some locker room fussness, which he's done. Um, that would be good for, you know, next offseason when they can then trade one of those quarterbacks for a lot. But 
what happens when Purdy comes back healthy, Trey Lance is playing great, and nobody's interested in buying Trey Lance right now? Now you're in a tough spot. I mean, it's good and bad, but I would say more bad. So for me, this is this is Brock. Uh, their goal should be and probably is to trade Trey Lance once somebody sees him on the field and that he actually does understand what NFL stands for and how to play quarterback in the NFL. And from there, I think Darnold is your clear-cut backup. I think he's a high-end backup, though. He is one of those guys about that, you know, that we talked about earlier in the show that that's that's potentially in your competing slash defined backup he could be in two buckets because if Purdy goes down or if he starts playing bad and San Francisco just needs to change it up a little bit I don't think that they're going to be afraid of getting one of their now three capable quarterbacks into the game yeah I pretty much agree on all fronts there um rooting for Lance there but I it seems like the 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 odds are getting more bleak of him being a legitimate fantasy option Sam Darnold, definitely, like, if Sam Darnold's the week one starter, definition of a huge ceiling, low floor in terms of long-term, Darnold could very easily get himself a second starting job, whether it be with San Francisco or with someone else. Um, well, and, and, the, and, and this show uh, with, not a camp battle, because I don't think this is a camp battle, uh, but how long, if there even is one, the leash of Mac Jones in 2023 is Bailey Zappi right over his shoulder? Is he like 10 feet behind him? Where where do you see the Patriots quarterback room right now from a you know starting perspective? If I had my buckets in front of me, I would put Bailey Zappi in a defined backup bucket. Uh, it's Mac Jones's team. I know that we want the fun of, well, Bailey Zappi came in and he won two games and he, he, he threw for 800 yards and had some touchdowns. Mac Jones is the better quarterback, especially considering what New England likes to do. I will say them not having any weapons won't help Mac's case, and they may turn to Zappy and then realize, hey, we should have probably went and got a wide receiver or something instead of running three tight end sets. You know, they're just they're running the you know the wing T offense from Navy or whoever the hell still runs it. Um, I I I still think Mac is the superior quarterback here. The issue is it's very easy for him to look bad because they have zero players to throw the football to. Yeah, I I think that I think that uh, Zappy has a little bit more of a threat than, than maybe you're perceiving. Um but I, I maybe it's a bit of a hopeful threat cuz I, I have a decent amount of Bailey Zappy on my dice teams. Um <laughs> But they did get Juju, but they did lose. Does not count. Uh, He's terrible. <laughs> they did lose Juju. Uh, they they lost Jacoby. Added Juju. Added Gasecki. Um, that is somewhat hopeful. That's a positive. Um, but yeah, I, I think that Max starts the season as a starter. Do you, I think that the the way the way that Zappy ends up starting, other than obviously injury, Zappy definitely comes in. Outside of injury, I think that. The Patriots are by far the worst team in the AFC East. Uh, you know, the Bills are the favorites. Probably Jets and Dolphins are around tied for second and third. And then the Mac Jones Patriots are way in fourth, fourth, fourth. So if they, we're in like week 13, week 14, week 12, and the Patriots are four or five games out of first place in the division, I could very easily say, see the Patriots be like, okay, well, Mac Jones, this is now year three. He isn't able to get us out of last place in the division. 
we should at least give the Zappy a chance. And if Zappy stinks too, then maybe we're investing an early first round pick in the wire receiver. I mean, in the quarterback position and then the wire receiver position too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's my, my stance is that Mac Jones is probably as, as, as likely to lose his job due to wins and losses as he is his play. I might have to change my take here. Did Kayshawn boot get, oh, yeah. is he, he on the Patriots now? <laughs> he is on the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, Mac Jones to the moon. He's got he's got wide receiver one. Uh, no, I, I do think Gasecki and and probably Hunter Henry both will matter. I, I think you're going to see McDaniel's get back to that uh, Gronk slash other tight end who shall remain nameless era because you've got two guys that can emulate. You know, not obviously what two, well, one Hall of Famer and one very good tight end did, but. It, you you got you got guys that can run that offense. You and you you add some of these kind of straggler type wide receivers. You bring in Juju. Uh, it's still going to be a running team. So the upside in the passing offense overall isn't going to be it. Obviously, never going to be what it was with Brady or or even go before that with Bledsoe. It, it's it's different now. Um, but we you know you've got something here that. It can be a little dink and dunk offense, run first, run second, run third, but they there's some opportunity. I just I I think the only way that we see Mac get taken out is if he's bad or his weapons are actually as bad as they seem to be. <laughs> That's definitely a, a distinct possibility of just the weapons not being good enough. You know, there's definitely some some hopefulness in regards to projecting those weapons off. Um but that should wrap us up for today. Any last words, Dan? No, we'll see you guys next week. Tight end week, maybe. Kadoosh, give us a better topic or we'll do tight end week. Kadoosh! <laughs>